This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of PlantYourself.com and the Big Change Program with Josh Lajani. This podcast is part of my mission to empower you to live a healthy and joyful life. Before we get to today's show, this month's goodie is the Beat the Bully Report. And I wrote it to help everyone who has that voice in their head that says, it doesn't matter how much you learn or how hard you try, you'll never change. Things are never going to get better. You know that voice? I call it the bully. And in my experience, it can be one of the most destructive voices in our heads if we allow it to take hold and gain power in our minds. And I know that voice very well. It kept me stuck for years until I learned how to put it in its place and move forward no matter what it was saying. So if you have a bully inside you, trying to discourage you and deflate you every time you take a step forward, this report will be a valuable read. And you can get it as well as a subscription to my e-newsletter, The Big Change Bulldog, by going to plantyourself.com slash bully, B-U-L-L-Y, all lowercase. And now to today's show. One of the things that trips a lot of people up as they try to adopt a whole food plant-based diet is their allegiance, their loyalty to what they perceive to be their traditional culture, whether it's a European tradition, an African tradition, Cajun, Central or South American, it doesn't matter. If you grow up with, you know, grandmothers, abuelitas, babas who feed you certain foods and that food is seen as love, then there's a a real difficulty in, in rejecting that food in order to be healthier. So that's what I wanted to talk about with today's guest, Nalita Besson. And her story begins when she wasn't so concerned about the fact that she weighed 240 pounds or that she passed the occasional painful gallstone. Well, what got her attention in the summer of 2013 was this physical malaise, just feeling bad, that was so complete and overwhelming, she honestly believed she was dying. And she said everything hurt, including her skin. And it was as if her body were saying, you know, I've had enough of this. It's time to rest. And... She was laying in bed thinking about how to say goodbye to your, her young son, who I think he was eight at the time, and she suddenly decided to fight for her life, and she prayed to God. She asked forgiveness for how she had treated her body up to that point and vowed to take care of it if God would only show her what to do. And at that moment, she turned her head, and she saw on her nightstand a copy of Joel Furman's book, Eat to Live. Um... Yeah, the book had been there. It, it didn't suddenly materialize. But the real miracle was that up to that point, Nalita hadn't shown any interest in taking it seriously. And so the miracle was internal. She turned to it after making that prayer, saw it there, and viewed it as an answer to her prayer, one that had been staring her in the face, but now she had taken the first step toward doing her part in the healing process. Nalita's heritage is Haitian. And a large part of her journey was coming to peace with the traditional foods she had grown up with and finding underneath those, those rich foods a whole food plant-based diet that was completely compliant, completely in concert with the food of Haiti, with the agriculture of Haiti, and with the traditions and customs beneath the ones she had grown up with before the modernization. So I think you're going to be as impressed and inspired by Nalita as I have been. And so let's get to the conversation. Without further ado, Nalita Lassette-Besson, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. 
Thank you, Howard. Thanks for having me. So tell us your story. I, lo- I love what I know about it, and I'm so excited about digging in and, and finding out more. Okay. Um, I'll start uh, just by saying um, I'm a wife and a mother of three children, I have two girls and a boy. Um, and I guess my story, where my story really begins in terms of uh, my health journey is uh, my husband and children and I in 2013, in July 2013, um, went on a family vacation um, slash convention. Um, my husband and my children are legally blind. And so we went to a blindness convention in Orlando. So um, we took advantage of, um, of that and also went to Disney that July 2013. Um, when we came back to Boston, uh, that's when I started not feeling well. Um, before that, um, I had gallstones, and they would, you know, act up occasionally, and I would have um, gallbladder attacks, um, but nothing really that major. I was obese. Uh, I weighed over 240 pounds. My BMI was um, well over 36. Um, so... I wasn't in the best of shape, but I didn't have um, any serious health issues that I knew of. But when we came back from vacation in that July uh, is when I started to feel achy and not well. Um, and I was off because I'm a teacher, so I was on vacation. And I just couldn't put my finger on what was going on. Everywhere my body started to ache, not only did I have a gallbladder attack, but um, I also started having pain everywhere my joints, my um, my entire body hurt so badly, even my skin hurt. Um, and I had never experienced that. Uh, it scared me. I was even afraid to go to the doctor because I just thought, my goodness, if I go to the doctor, I don't know what they're going to say because it can't be good because every single thing in my body hurts, even my skin is hurting. Mm. Uh, so I um, kind of... Stayed that way for a while, several several days, you know, maybe like a few weeks. And I just, you know, I just didn't know what to do. I just thought, oh, my goodness, I'm, am I going to die? And I, mean, I seriously had those thoughts. And I'm like, you know, maybe, you know, whatever's going to happen. You know, my, you know, my kids are just going to be without their mother. And I just remember um, one evening I was just lying in bed because I wasn't feeling well. And my son, who was six at the time, came into the room and he came and sat on the bed and talked to me. So I remember talking to my son and um, kind of like I was preparing him in case, you know, for the future. And I thought to myself, what are you, what are you doing? You're young. You have young children. You can't just give up on, on, your, on your health and your life. You have to be there for them. And I remember just praying at that time and asking God to helped me to heal my body that I'd abused with food and with lack of fitness. And I said that prayer, and literally I turned my head, and on my nightstand, I looked and I saw the book, Dr. Joe Furman's Eat to Live. I had had that book, ironically, for years. Hmm. Sitting on my nightstand, I hadn't read it. I mean, I kind of perused it a little bit, looked through it, but I never picked up the book, read it, and followed it. So after I said that prayer and just had that epiphany, I said, okay, I'm going to read that book, and I'm going to follow that book. 
So I picked it up. <laughs> I read it. I started reading it, and I and I and I said, okay, I have to make these changes. And I talked to my husband, and I said, um, you know, you know, I have not been feeling well, and he knew I was not I was not well. And I said, I really have to make a drastic change, and you know, it should be something you know for the family. I can't have like junk in the house and all of that. And he agreed. He also, you know, a big guy. He was bigger, and he's he's benefited from the changes. And um, he said, you know, go for it. So, so, um, so when, mm-hmm. h- how, how much did your husband know, uh, about how serious it, you felt it was, was it, you know, does he just know like you're not feeling well, were you kind of keeping it all inside or were you, were you very transparent about how worried you were about your survival? I started talking to him because I said to him, Michael, I have never felt this bad before. And he was saying, well, maybe you should go to the doctor. And I said, you know what? I'm kind of weary about, you know, I, I was in between doctors then. I, you know, now I'm at an integrated health center. And I said, you know, whenever I've had any issues, because I used to have, like, bad acid reflux, I was put on medication, I had bad side effects. And I said, you know what, I don't want to go through this whole cycle of, you know, getting medications and getting things and getting sicker and having side effects. You know, I just didn't know what to do. So I think he knew that I hadn't felt this bad before. He knew that I had had, you know, the gallbladder attacks because I had gallstones, and if I ate anything greasy, um, then, I would, then I would get the attack. But this was the first time that I had been in so much pain that my skin was even hurting. Everywhere was aching. So I think he was worried, and so when I said I really want to make this change, and he had, you know, heard about Dr. Furman also, um, and he said, you know, then I think you should do it. I think it will be helpful, and I, I'm, I was always a vegetarian. I'm a lifelong vegetarian. I was just a junk food vegetarian. Um, and so my kids, you know, they weren't eating meat. Uh, Michael is mostly vegetarian. Uh, he does have, you know, fish and everything sometimes when he's out and out in the house. So, but he loves vegetables. And so he used to eat vegetables. So when he heard Dr. Furman, he knew, you know, a lot of vegetables. He was glad because that means I would be buying more vegetables and cooking more vegetables. So... Um, he agreed, and so I just went into the kitchen in the pantry, and I literally, all the cupboards, threw away every piece of junk food that was in the house, chips, cookies, everything. I mean, my kids just couldn't believe it. They were like, oh, my goodness, the Oreos, again. everything is going. Um, and literally, I just threw them all in the trash. One so after I've got, the other. Yeah, i got to ask you about that because, you know, I mean, we, I'm sure you know people who have similar health issues and who want to change and who try and who don't necessarily succeed or it takes them a long time. And what you're describing kind of, you know, from from the language you're using and talking about it in terms of, you know, praying and turning your head, it kind of feels like an instantaneous conversion, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like like biblical, like, you know, Saul on the road to Damascus. Like, did, did, is that how it felt to you? Like all of a sudden, you're, you just had an entirely new identity around food? I think so. Even though with some things it took me a while, I think at that moment I had a moment of epiphany, a moment of an answered prayer. And when I, because it, it was kind of coincidental, I said that prayer, I turned around, I saw the book. And it was just like, this, is, this has been your answer for so long. It's been sitting there and you haven't taken advantage of it. So when I turned and I saw that, I said, well, this is my answer, and I have to do this because I felt so bad 
when did I have to move? And I had everything to gain. So yes, it it, it was um it was a it was a moment of epiphany. It was a moment of answered prayer for me, um, and really launched my um, my health journey. So what was it doing on your nightstand in the first place? When when did you buy it and why? Goodness, I had had that book, um, Howard. I can't even remember how long before that. I'd had that book for years. I bought it because I had heard about um, Dr. Furman. I'd wanted to lose weight in the past. I'd lost some weight, um, gained it back. You know, a couple of times I'd, I'd lost weight, but I had it made a full lifestyle change. I hadn't had a full mindset change. I would just, you know, do moderation, you know, have um, still have some sweets and still have some things, you know, that were fried or whatever, smaller portions. I would do more, you know, trying to moderate things um, and still having some of those foods and, you know, also exercising. But whenever I would just, you know, kind of slow down and not exercising anymore, kind of let more foods that aren't, you know, the healthiest creep in, I'd be back to where I started, um, and, or, you know, and, and worse sometimes. Um, okay. So I had known about that book. I had, you know, like I said, I bought the book at some point and just said, okay, this looks like it's good. I started looking through it. I'm like, oh, this looks kind of drastic. I didn't really want to make that commitment. I, I wasn't ready, I guess. Um, and I hadn't taken the time, honestly, to read it through and to learn um, about a, a nutrient-rich, whole food, plant-based lifestyle. So I just didn't do it. It just sat there collecting dust. Um, so we're, we're, this, was, this was in late summer 2013? Yes, it was in late summer 2013. So I had had the book there, you know, a couple years before, hmm. literally just sitting there. Yeah. So you say you're, you're, you're a lifelong vegetarian. Were you raised vegetarian? It, I wasn't, it's odd because um, my family's from Haiti and um, I'm the seventh out of 12 children. I was the first child born in the United States and I have never liked meat for some reason. Um, and my father had said that he had an aunt who was that way. It was like she was allergic to it. She had an aversion to it. She just didn't eat meat. That's just how I was. I just, even, you know, as an infant and a toddler, my mother would say I would, you know, she'd feed it to me. I'd put it like in my cheek. Um, and as I got older, I didn't like it. I would um, I would give mine to my siblings because they all knew that I wouldn't eat it. So my mother would serve us our food, rice and beans, and usually be chicken or some other meat. And I would take mine and I would give it to one of my siblings. They would say, okay, give it to me, give it to me. So eventually my mother just stopped serving it to me because she realized I just didn't eat it. So I'm, I think I'm just what is called, I guess, a natural vegetarian. I just... Um, Meat never agreed with me. So were were you known as like a picky eater? Um, I think just just for the meat. Just Everyone knew that um, I didn't eat meat. But besides that, I would eat other things like, you know, mac and cheese, pizza. I mean, all these other junk foods I would eat. It was just um, the meat that I just could not digest. I just didn't like it, the texture, the taste. Um, it just didn't appeal to me. So, so just picky in that, in that sense. Yeah. So I'm pretty ignorant about Haitian cuisine in terms of, you know, what what, what a sort of a traditional healthy Haitian diet would be versus, you know, like the junk food version. Mm. Um, describe, like what, well, what did you grow up eating? Because I think, you know, I think we, uh, we had to, when, before we um, started, you know, when we were emailing about this interview, one of the things I really wanted to cover was this idea of culture and how do we 
um, honor our culture of, uh, you know, our traditional culture while not being killed by it. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, what, what I grew up eating, uh, a lot of rice and beans. So Haitian people eat a lot of rice and a lot of beans, white rice as opposed to brown rice, um, mostly white rice, some parboiled rice uh, and beans. The rice is cooked with a lot of oil, a lot of salt, some spices and seasoning, so very flavorful. Um, usually we'll have a sauce with it, and the sauce is, is like a tomato-based sauce, um, usually with more oil in there, onions maybe in there. There's vegetables in there, but the vegetables are like cooked to death. I mean, it's soggy, just very much cooked. Um, the food tasted good. Uh, the people who ate, you know, the meat would have meat with it and the sauce. So very rich in terms of um, oily fats. Uh, a lot of people uh, love Haitian food. So I'm in Boston. There's a large Haitian population, Haitian restaurants. I remember growing up and um, some of our neighbors would, would pay, you know, five bucks for a plate of my mother's food. Mm. <laughs> so um, some of the neighborhood kids. So the food is good. Um, and it kind, it kind of looks healthy, right? I mean, if you think about, like, as I close my eyes and I imagine a Haitian plate with, with rice, um, tomato sauce, vegetables in it, beans, like I could go, hey, that's a plant-based meal. But it's, it's, it sounds like it was it, it, most of the calories yeah. from oil. It, most of the calories are from oil. I think that's the downside of it. And we never had brown rice. It was always white rice or parboiled rice. And everything had oil, literally just pour the oil in. So the rice, people would love the rice. You know, even other people who aren't from the culture, you know, will go to Haitian restaurants, will ask, you know, I'll have people say, you know, oh, if you make that Haitian rice, the black rice that they say, which is not the black rice with the fiber, it would be rice cooked with black dried mushrooms. So it would give the white rice a black color and flavor. So it, it had potential <laughs> to be... Um, more healthy, but with all the oils and the salt, especially uh, that was put in the food, that made it more unhealthy. Um, the vegetables that we cook, so we have a dish that's, you know, we call legume, which is vegetables. Um, so, you know, starts off well, but again, it's a lot of oil that's in there. It's cooked a lot. So um, it's, it's just cooked a lot. So a lot of nutrients are out of it. Um, and again, a lot of oil in there, very flavorful. There's a lot of, you know, spices and herbs and, you know, scallions, onions and, and all of that. But again, a lot of salt and, um, a lot of oil. So I think that's the tough part. Um, things that are fried, like fried plantain. Um, my grandmother used to make the best fried plantain. She taught me how to make it and I would make it, you know, for everyone, every Christmas Eve, um, because, that's also a, a, a very special dish uh, for Haitian people and making it crispy. Um, but then on the healthier side, you know, there are some people who will boil vegetables. So like boiled plantain is, is a, a healthier alternative. Although some people would boil it, but put oil in the water. So with that the oil again, too much of it. So boiled plantain, boiled um, yam and sweet potatoes. So the healthier side of it. So sometimes taking, so sometimes what I'll do, if I make a rice, it'll be black rice and black and black and brown mixed together, or just black or just brown. And then I'll make a bean stew, no salt added, no oil added. And then if I put it over the rice, then my kids will be like, oh, oh, this is like the soft spot. This is like you know similar you know kind of thing. But again, without the oil, without the salt, 
but just the flavor. It, it took me a while to try to, to capture that flavor. Um, and I think that's why it was tougher for me, or that was the, the last thing for me to give up was that salt, um, because I didn't know how was I, how was I going to flavor my food if I didn't use salt. Yeah. So what, um, how far back does cooking very, very rich food go in Haiti? Was that, you know, was oil always available or was it something, you know, that came with, with westernization and more prosperity and processing? Um, I think oil was far back as I, as I know, oil has been used. It's just part of Haitian cuisine. I mean, people, as far as I know, my, my grandmother, people before her generation, I think it's always been part of um, Haitian cuisine, fried foods is, is like considered like a delicacy. We, we call it fritai, where it's like, order, it's like a certain kind of hors d'oeuvres, but everything is fried, fried plantains, fried meats, fried, um, fried dough. It's just kind of like part of the whole culture of eating that, you know, we use oils and things are fried. Mm. So was, was there a sense at all, like you're... Um giving up on your culture like were you you know when you when you read eat to live and you're like well i have to change did you have this thought like okay now i need to not be haitian anymore and i need to become like a california vegan or a, you know cambridge massachusetts yuppie no i kind of thought of it like you know i have to do things differently yes i know that's my heritage my husband also he he himself he was born and raised in haiti so you know I, but we knew this kind of food, eating that way was not going to be helpful to us. So we have to do things a little differently. So I said, okay, um, we can still have rice, but, you know, let's make it brown rice um, or black rice or red rice and don't add the oil. Let's just get, you know, we can still get the flavor. So really having our taste buds adapt, um, you know, we we go to my mother's house often and she would say, you know, she cooked and you know, my kids, they love, they love her food, you know, and sometimes they'll still eat there. And, you know, sometimes she's starting to change some things in the way she cooks, but sometimes she'll just cook the rice the same way. And I, I just would, I, I couldn't eat it. I would have to bring food also, so we would eat together. And I would just say, you know, because of my gallbladder, um, because that was the main thing. I didn't want that acting, but I can't have um, oily things. So um, in a sense, like I remember when I said to my husband, okay, we really have to give up the salt. And um, he said to me, Haitian people eat salt. Hmm. And I said to him, well, Haitian people also have a lot of high blood pressure. So, um, you know, we don't want to head down that road. And my husband, you know, suffers from high blood pressure. So I said, you know, I don't have high blood pressure, but you do. And, you know, a lot of people in my family do. Um, and a lot of Haitian people that we know do. So it, it's just not good for us. So I wasn't sure how to do it. I had reached out to Chef AJ um, online, and she, you know, um, helped me with that to give up giving up the salt and ways to cook, you know, using tomatoes, spinach, other foods that have natural sodium and adding more spices and seasoning. And that really helped um, because when I said to my husband and my kids, okay, I'm, I'm going to be dropping salt, they were like, what? Mm. You know, no oil and now, and now, now no salt. So they weren't sure, but their taste buds adapted. I would just take vegetables, roast it in the oven plain. Nothing, put nothing on it. And 
it had a natural sweet flavor. It just, all the vegetables. So everyone in my house, you know, my husband and kids, they started getting used to just the natural flavor of food. Um, and when I made the bean stew, added, you know, unsalted tomato paste most of the time as the base, added spices sneeze, and seasonings in there, no salt. Again, you know, the flavors came through, you know, and, and using the beans that we're already used to and adding it, they were like, okay, this is kind of like, you know, the rice and beans that we've had. So we still kind of had that. Um, I think because I'm, I'm not a, a meat eater and I haven't been a meat eater, my siblings were kind of used to, well, Nalita eats kind of strange anyway. She never liked meat. So they didn't see it as, you know, they just kind of saw like, okay, she always kind of ate differently anyways. Um, so it didn't really make a, a, you know, a big impact on them. And whenever people would say, oh, you're not going to eat this or you're not going to have that, really, I, I just made a commitment with myself um, and I felt I made a commitment with, with God. Um, that I was not going to harm my body anymore with food. So it really didn't matter if, you know, someone said, yo, you're not going to eat this or, you know, um, you know, this is a special occasion and, you know, you, you can have it just on this time. I just um, decided that it was best for me not to mm -hmm. um, indulge in, the, in, in, in those things. Like with sugar, sugar was, it was the toughest thing for me to give up. Even when I started, so I started my health journey in July of 2013, and um, I would, and I started to lose weight, and then, you know, the holidays were coming, uh, Thanksgiving, you know, when Christmas was coming, and then I started eating like some of those um, rich vegan desserts. You know, I'd get them at Whole Foods, other places. You know, make some myself, and it would still have like you know a lot of oil in there, sugar in those desserts. And I started feeling, you know, my gallbladder kind of acting up. You know, I had, you know, some small incidences of gallbladder attack. And then, you know, Christmas came and went, and I just said, you know, I, I have to just drop the sugar. I mean, I remember that year I was on Dr. Furman's um, email list, and he would send out these emails, you know, you know, to everyone who's on his mailing list and just say, you know, not one bite. Don't, you know, the holidays are here. Don't take... And I would literally, I'd get those emails and I would just be like, oh my goodness, I don't want to look at this. It's the holidays. I want to have, you know, my vegan desserts. And I, I would not listen to that. And I remember it was December 27th, 2013. I said, that's it. You know, I'm going to go all the way. I'm, I'm done with, um, I'm done with the sugar. I dropped the sugar. And I have not had the sugar since December 27th, 2013. So I just decided, and, and I was surprised, really, um, abstinence from it was actually easier um, for me than moderation had ever been. I didn't have to think about it. I just know that I don't eat that, and um, I can substitute with fruit. So if I make any kind of dessert, it, it, it's fruit-sweetened. I can use bananas, dates, apples, um, and that's it. Mm. So from July to December 27th, were, was, was sugar kind of in a different kind of zone in your mind? Or was it something you were just like failing at? How, how did you think about that during that time? Because it sounds, it sounds like the, the kitchen makeover was really stark. Exactly. So I didn't have it in the house. because Literally, when I threw away everything, I threw away all the sugars that I had. I had bags of sugar. Um, bottles of oil, 
containers, everything went, but I could go to the store and buy a vegan dessert already made um, at the health food store. And, you know, I read the ingredients. I knew it was there. I think I kind of, like, maybe closed my eyes to that or I didn't want to face that particular addiction Mm. to sugar and I didn't want to deal with it. And, you know, I kind of rationalized it in my mind. Well, you know, I'm losing weight. Um, I'm feeling better. I don't have all this pain everywhere that I had. So, I'm, you know, I'm doing better. I'm feeling better. It's the holidays. I can have some. So, really, I think I rationalized it in my mind that I could have some, if, you know, the holidays. But then, you know, one led to another. So that one bite led to wanting more and, you know, go back, buy another one, you know, have that again until it just, it didn't work, you know, trying to moderate it did not work. So I had to make the decision that, okay, I'm going to have to abstain and um, just not have the sugar. And um, that's one of the best decisions I've made. So I know a lot of people who make that decision like every two weeks. (laughs) Mm. What, what, what enabled, what was different about December 27th or about how you went about it or how you thought about it? Like what, what made that time different from from other times? I think at, at that point, I just finally got to that point where enough was enough for me. Um, I made the, that final commitment because I remember at that time just thinking, okay, I prayed and I asked God to help me heal the body that he gave me that I abused with food. And here I am back at it again. So that makes me a hypocrite. That makes me someone then who, you know, I I made a vow and I'm not keeping it. So, you know, I kind of had like that tough talk with myself and said, you know, this, this, no, this has, this has to go. I said, you know, here I am again, starting to not feel well and I'm, I'm praying for relief, you know, trying to get back my health. It doesn't make sense. I have to stop. So really, I just made that commitment and I said, that's it. I'm not having it. And I think once I really made that commitment and it wasn't just a maybe, it was, you know, I'm not going to harm myself with sugar. I'm going to abstain. It made it easier for me because I finally made a decision um, that this is harming me. I made a vow not to harm myself with food. Therefore, I'm stopping it. And... um Initially, yeah, I could, I'm telling you, initially, sometimes I would see, I would go to different teachers' room. I'm an itinerant teacher. I work with students who are blind and visually impaired, so I travel from school to school. And sometimes I'd go in teachers' rooms, and they would have, you know, cookies. They would have cakes. I'd look at it. Sometimes I'd, I'd, I'd smell it. But I kept that resolve that um, this is not what I eat. And I would even start to say myself, this is not even real food because, I would, you know, the ingredients that they were made, that they were made out of all, these, all this processed stuff. And I would say this is not this is not even real food. And over time, I just you know would see it, and I wouldn't want it. And if I wanted something, I would make something. So I mean, I remember when I said, okay, I can because I was known as the baker. I would bake cakes, cookies when I was a teenager. I actually had a baking business, and I would bake after school and sell things. Um, and I said, okay, I'm going to make a healthy cookie, um, fruit sweetened, bananas, unsweetened applesauce, oats, rolled oats add raisins in there. I mean, the first time I said to my kids, okay, I'm, 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 I'm making cookies 
you know, and my older daughter was like, oh, my goodness, cookies, we're going to have a cookie again. <laughs> and I said, well, <laughs> you do know that this is uh, fruit sweetened cookies. There's no sugar in there. There's no oil. She's like, I don't care what it is as long as it's called a cookie, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's all I want, you know. So I just learned to make things a different way. So if I felt like, oh, my goodness, I've been seeing all these cookies and I want something, I would make it. You know, I make for them, you know, occasionally I'll make, you know, raw brownies, you know, walnuts. Um, dates and they're a little bit of unsweetened cocoa powder, you know, and, you know, put it in the food process. So I've learned different ways um, to, to cook, bake, or make something a healthy dessert. So I'm not feeling like, you know, I'm going to be deprived or my kids are going to be deprived. And I know that, you know, they're tempted at school and sometimes they, you know, they do eat it. They don't always feel that well because they don't eat that way at home. But, um, I tell them, you know, I have a healthy exchange program. I said, if you're tempted, they, you know, that you're offer something at school, um, you can bring it home and we'll do a healthy exchange. And uh-huh. so what we do is for the healthy exchange is um, I have Lara bars, the ones that are only nuts and fruits, so nuts and dates in there. Um, or I'll make something and I'll say, okay, I'll, um, we can make a healthy exchange and I'll either make you a fruit sweetened cookie or any, you know, one of the fruit sweetened desserts that I make, or you can have a Lara bar in exchange for that. So if they come and they give me the exchange, the exchange goes in, in the trash, and then they get um, the healthier dessert. Wow. What, what do they think of that? They like the healthy exchange program. I mean, um, they've already said, like, you know, I was having a conversation around the dinner table and my kids were like, okay, it was Valentine's Day. We know, what, you know, the school, they're going to, you know, all this candy is going to be given up. And I said, well, remember, we have the healthy exchange program. If you bring things home, and then so they're like, okay, so when I'm going to start thinking about what I want you to make, you know, is it going to be raw brownies? Is it going to be oatmeal raisin cookies? Um, it, sometimes it's hard for them. Sometimes one year, um, I think it was like over a year ago, a year and a half ago, uh, um, my two girls at the same school, and they had Pi Day. So Pi Day for math, okay, 3.14. Yeah. And, but the school turned it into Pi Day, P-I-E, and um, gave all these kids these, you know, the commercial processed pies. And so one of my daughters <laughs> came home and she said, you know, I admit I, I could not resist. I ate that pie. I ate it. You know, it wasn't the best thing for me. I ate it. Um, and then my other daughter had it in her bag, and she was like, you know, I brought it um, I brought it for the exchange. So she ended up having two healthy desserts. You know, I said, you can have one now, one for later, whatever. If you're really hungry, have both, you know, for the for that one that she exchanged and um, uh-huh. went in the trash. That's like that, that classic um, st- Walter Mitchell study with the marshmallows, right? If you can... Uh... You know, these little, these like four and five year olds, if you could not eat the marshmallow now, I'll give you two in 15 minutes to see who, mm. who could um, delay gratification. Yep. So, so I got- it, 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 it works a lot of times, but sometimes, like I, I, I tell them, I'm not there all the time. And um, if they're not feeling well, like my two girls, they're, they're, they're diagnosed with PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. But they don't have any symptoms. They don't have all the classic things associated with it. And I tell them, you know, you have a good diet. They are now exercising more. And I'm like, so, you know, they have to watch for themselves. I said, because you're healthy now, um, 
and you don't want to get any of those those issues. Mm. All right, that that anticipated my next question, which was, you know, for you, you kind of had a brush with mortality, um, but for kids, like who are who think of themselves as immortal, like what, mm-hmm. you know, what gets them to to eat well, and I, you know, it's, it's only you yeah. know avoiding pain, which sounds like it's the case, or you know performance like they they just feel better and do better so what what do you know what do your what do your kids think about healthy eating i mean they've they've watched me um and i think just seeing how i was very overweight uh, obese um not feeling well not being able to do a lot of things you know i i didn't have a lot of energy i come home you know, cook dinner, throw together dinner, or do takeout. I just couldn't do the things that I do now. I mean, I can come home. My husband's like, oh, my goodness, come home, and I could be up for hours, you know, prepping, cooking, I mean, making everything from scratch. Um, and my kids see me now. I'm more active and slimmer. I went from wearing size 24 jeans to size 6. <laughs> so they they've seen me, and so they... They're happier for that change. They know that I feel better. They know, like, I still log my food. And sometimes they'll even say, oh, did you, did you log your food? Because they see that it's, it's kept me accountable to myself, and I always do it. So I think that helps them. Um, they know that they feel better. So if they've eaten things at school, so they had that muffin at breakfast or whatever, sometimes they're like, you know, I don't feel all that well. You know, what, what happened? Well... Yeah, I kind of had that. So some, you know, and it, I think it's harder for kids because they've never been overweight. They've always been at, a, you know, a good stable weight for their for their height. Um, and but I think not feeling well after eating a certain way, and then if you let things slip in to your diet that's not that healthy, you don't feel that well. So I think for them is learning how you know to communicate with their body and how they feel. And then, you know, I'll talk to them and just, you know, hoping and praying that they'll do the right thing because, like I tell them, I'm not with you all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, I'm trying to, to teach you these things and you see, you know, you're there when I'm cooking and where, you know, we make things together and hoping, and, you know, that, that will stick. So, you know, they, they know because they see how, you know, other people eat and they say, you know, sometimes kids eat these, you know, different things at school. Um, they know it's not healthy. They'll watch sometimes documentaries with me. So, and I'll rewatch it a lot of times with them. And, you know, because it'll, it'll stick. And, you know, that's the hope that we have, that it'll continue to stick in their, in their brains and um, be a habit, not just at home, but um, outside the home as well. What, what do you think they've learned from you, aside from the details of, of a, you know, a healthy diet? What, what has your your journey and your struggles and your successes and your strategies, what do you hope and think it may have, it may have taught them that will help them in their lives? I think um, what they've learned is consistency matters and following through and, and making a commitment matters because um, kids watch what we're doing. We can say whatever we want, but they watch what, what we're doing. So my kids have seen me um, wherever I go, and if we're out at a party or whatever the case may be, and saying, okay, well, I'm going to bring a dish, and I'll bring a dish that I could share with other people, and I'm eating it. If we're going to my mom's house and she's making something, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to have the cornmeal. We have a cornmeal dish that, you know, also has beans in there. 
and my mother will say, you know, she'll make it. And she, you know, adapted some things, you know, for the family. She's like, oh, I didn't put up. She only put a little bit of oil, a little bit of salt. But I still, I, I won't have any of it at all if it has any salt or oil in there. And they'll see me. I'll bring my um, my salad. Sometimes I'll have a salad in a jar that's already made. Um, bring my sweet potato, cook it. I have my own salad dressing that I make. I, I make one that I like the best out of cashews. Um, and I'll just bring it and, you know, everyone will be eating whatever. My siblings sometimes, we have a lot of Friday night dinners at my mother's and, I, and they just see me. I just take it and I just, you know, I start preparing my meal and, and, and start eating. So they've seen that consistency and um, to know that if you make a commitment, you have to be consistent and also not to just say, well, I'm going to try, but to do it. Um, I mean, I remember having a teacher when I was, you know, elementary school when I was younger. I actually started off in bilingual class even though I was born in Boston because my family, you know, just came from Haiti. And um, I had a teacher named Mr. Just, and he he would always say, because I would always, you know, want to say, oh, I, I just can't do it, Mr. Just. And he would say, don't say I can't. Say I'll try. And I think I'm, I learned from that and to bring it a step further and say, don't say I'll try. Just say I'll do and do it. Because I had been for years saying, well, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. And, you know, trying didn't do it. So I think they've learned, you know, when you have a goal, make the commitment and do it. If you need to get help, read books, watch whatever you need to do to learn and to be able to succeed, plan to succeed. Just do it. Yeah, well, it's so interesting, you know, when you make the distinction between try and do, I'm coming back to your, you know, the, the way we began this conversation with you being really, really clear about what was your responsibility and what was God's responsibility. And it feels yeah. like, you know, that you try to do things that are out of your hands. Like if I'm going to, if I want to write a best-selling book, well, I'll try to make it a bestseller or I'm going to try to win a marathon. Well, I'll try, but I can't control what happens outside of myself. But I can control, mm-hmm. am I writing 5,000 words a week? Am I, mm-hmm. you know, am I, am I running hard and training? And it seems like you, you, you came up with a pretty good um, division of labor between, you know, you, you and God in terms of what was ultimately your responsibility. Exactly. Because I think we have to do our part. I mean, I see people, I have people, you know, who come on my page and, um, you know, my, my plant page plant-based page that I have on Facebook, and some people would message me and just say, you know, pray for them. I say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I will pray for you. And, after, you know, I think what's important is to make that commitment because we're asking God, and people are always saying, you know, yes, it's good, pray and, and ask God, but then, you know, do your part right. as well. And I felt like I, I have to do my part because I, I can't expect, you know, just miraculously you know, it, it, my body would slim down and I'd be healthy. And, and for me to eat that way, uh, it, would, it, would, it would be a joke. It reminds me of a joke, actually, that, that uh, <laughs> this guy is, is praying every day to God, like, please, God, I want to win the lottery. Help me win the lottery. Help me win the lottery. And after like four years, God finally says to him, you know what? It would help if you bought a ticket. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It would help to do our part, yeah. you know. So let's go. Let's go back to to 2013. You said um, you were size 24 jeans. How much? You said you'd weighed like 240 pounds ish. 
I weighed I weighed over two hundred and forty pounds. So it was like you know by the time I weighed myself once once I started it was like forty one and a half pounds. Uh huh. So what what was your health trajectory like? Did you ever go to a doctor and find out what was wrong, or do you just you know eat yourself well? I started eating myself well, and by the time I went to a doctor, it was about. Um, I was about six months into my journey when I went to the doctor, and so I, w- I was still obese, but I had, you know, lost some weight, but I didn't have all the pain that I had, and I said to the doctor, um, and I had switched from, you know, my regular primary care clinic to an integrated health center, and I said to um, my new doctor that, um, you know, I'm eating a whole food plant-based diet now, um, um, eating nutrient-rich food that changed my lifestyle. I had, you know, she said, well, how are you feeling? You had to do a health survey. I said, well, I was feeling very poorly. I am now feeling well. I'm losing weight. Um, and, you know, my blood work was good. So um, she was not worried about that. So things were looking good. And she said, okay, so when you, you know, when you come again, we'll evaluate. So I went and saw her So it was 2000. Early, early on in 2014 that I'd seen her. And then I went back, um, it was, I think, two years later. It's 2016, um, early, early on in the year. And so she, when I went back, it was probably a year and a half. It was probably two, four years. But I lost most of the weight. And she just couldn't believe it. She said, you lost the weight. That you said, you know, when you came, you said this. This is what you're working on, and then she was like, "That usually doesn't happen." Um, what did you do? Because most patients will say that I'm going to do this and things will get better, and it doesn't happen. But what did you do? And so I explained to her what I did, and she just was like, "You know, well, keep keep doing it. it, it it's impressive." Um, I had also been seeing a chiropractor. Um, in a trigger point doctor because I had a history of a herniated disc and, you know, I had back injuries, so I had seen them. And she said, you know, just keep on and just, you know, see them periodically just to keep up with, you know, any joint pains, any residual pains and things like that. But she said, you're in excellent health. And that's what she wrote, wrote on um, the form is, is excellent health. Hmm. Yeah. So... um how long did it take you to like? How much? Do you, do you mind my asking how much you weigh now? Um, I'm in the 140s. I had gone down to like um, in the high 130s and then went back up. Um, and working on getting back down because I felt better. And you know when I was at the low weight, even though that you know the 140, 141 is is still you know within my range. You know, well the standard range. But um, my body just felt better and stronger at the lower weight. So right now I'm, I'm really um, ramping it up, um, you know, increasing my um, strength training also and just really um, reducing a lot of the snacking that I would do. I mean, still healthy snacking, but just being more mindful and just saying, you know, do I re- am I really hungry or am I just, you know, eating eating just you know to eat so I'm being more mindful of that and that's helping me so you know I'm, I'm seeing my um, clothes get get looser which is good and I'm feeling better that way because I just feel better at a, at a more slim weight 
Mm. So I, even though I have people in my family who are like, oh, you know, don't lose any more or, you know, what's going on or whatever. And I said, I said, no, I'm, um, I still have some of that belly fat and it, it, it's, it's a health issue, you know, to have too much belly fat and have too, you know, too many hormones. So um, it's not just for aesthetics. And just to look cute, it's really for the health. So I'm really this. This is the year that I'm calling the, the year of no excuses. Um, and really, you know, pushing myself a little bit more. Like even even in working out, pushing myself a, a, a little bit more than um, than I've used to, and just you know, being being more more serious around fitness. Now, you, you seem like you're you're educated on food and nutrition far beyond just eat to live. So wh- where where else have you gotten information for your journey? Oh my goodness, I've read it, just a, watching documentaries. So like I said, Eat to Live, Dr. Furman's other books, Eat for Health, and I will listen to them even in my car um, as I'm traveling at CDs. Um, also, I've read um, I've read John McDougall's book. I've read um, Dr. Esselstyn's book. I've, I've, I've seen, a, um, I've read Chef AJ's book um, and been part of her group as well. Um, I'm in different Eat to Live support groups as well on Facebook. And um, I've watched Forks Over Knives, um, Eating, just different documentaries, um, Food Matters, so all of the different documentaries that are on, on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Um, I, I, I'll just, you know, listen to podcasts, watch other people's, um, journeys and get information, um, from them and just learn from them, you know, some of the things that, that they've done. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly just, you know, watching different videos, listening, reading to kind of keep myself, um, motivated and also to get more informed. Sometimes, you know, hear something from someone else and it resonates with you and you know that kind of helps you to to stick to what you're doing. Mm. So you mentioned that you have a plant-based page on Facebook. When when did you start turning around and offering a hand to other people? I think as I was on Facebook just personally and sometimes I would post things on my journey and people would you know ask me questions said you know you should make a you should make a page and just talk about what you're doing. So I think it was probably like maybe a year into um, my journey, and I decided to to start it and just you know as a way for me to document some other things that I'm doing and and share information because people would ask me, and I would say, well, you know, go to my page, plant based God's grace, and um, and I would post information just about okay what I'm eating, some of my meals, you know, some of my my workout techniques, um, and what I'm doing. And, you know, maybe, you know, some struggles, um, information like other pages. I would um, post information from other plant-based pages, other fitness information. So just information that I could share because I've got my information from from other people. So just as a way to share. And sometimes people would message me and ask me more information. What exactly are you doing? What exactly are you eating? Or, you know, I'm struggling. So kind of a way for me, you know, people to reach out to me and for me to kind of reach back to. Mm. So say the name of your Facebook page again, because you sort of glitched out just a bit at the end of that. Um, yes, it's a plant-based God's grace. Um, and then it has the rest, like Nalita's journey to health and fitness, but it's plant-based God's grace. Um, and I called it that because I went fully, you know, nutrient-rich plant-based. 
and um, it's by God's grace because I felt like where I was and how how unwell that I was um, is by God's grace. I mean, by the time I started getting like chiropractic care, you know, the chiropractor was the only one who was like, you know, my goodness, you're you're so tight. It's like a fibromyalgic pain, which I felt that that's what it was. Um, because I had, like, the classical pains, like, you know, behind the shoulder blades and all of these other pains um, besides, you know, the, the the issue with the herniated disc that I had had. So I felt like to be able to get on the treadmill and run, um, I don't run now on, on the ground because it's, it's put a lot of pressure on my back. So right now I'm just doing um, treadmill running and other exercises and, and strength training. But I just feel like it's God's grace because, in the beginning, for me to even work out, I could barely walk, and it's making me feel a little uh, emotional just talking about it, but I started off just um, exercising in my living room and um, putting on DVDs, and I would do these walk videos, walk away to pounds, and I initially couldn't even do a 15 or 20-minute one-mile walk. I was just so winded and out of shape. Um, and in pain, I, I couldn't do it. And to see how changing my diet and lifestyle has helped me for my body to just repair itself. And I can get on that treadmill and, I'm, you know, I've used different apps. I'm a big technology person. I teach, teach technology as well. And I use different apps. I've done like the C to 5K, Couch to 5K, and I'm doing um, now the 10K trainer app on the treadmill, I'm like, just to come from barely being able to do a 15, 20-minute walk video to running on the treadmill, you know, I can run straight 30 minutes, do um, 55 minutes, you know, just one-minute interval in between, it, it, it's, it's by God's grace that I can do that, because um, I, I'm not an athlete, I'm, you know, I've never been the athletic one, I was always, you know, the overweight kid, you know, in gym class, dreading it. Um, but now I have the stamina and the strength uh, and the desire to move. So it, it's um, uh, that's why I need plant-based God's grace. It's by God's grace that I'm I'm here because I'm no I'm I'm not an athlete. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's funny, you know, in the plant-based community, there's lots and lots of of reasons and rationale that people will come to this. It's you know for health reasons. Or some people are are doing it for animal welfare and animal rights. Some people are drawn to the environmental impact, and I don't hear a lot about sort of theological reasons. But it it sounds like you know it it, it was God's grace that that had you sort of look up and see this book that you had been managing to ignore for years, but also that there was there was a, a deal that you made something like you know that you owed something back mm -hmm. I honestly Howard I felt I feel like um, I made a vow I think that um, you know that's my belief that God wants what's best for us um, and we have free will and unfortunately you know some people use it for bad and you know we, we make we make wrong choices and decisions as well but we have that free will and um, I had a choice to make, you know, it wasn't just, you know, praying and asking God for help and then expecting, you know, a miracle to happen just out of thin air. But I had a role. So once I prayed and asked for that and I felt that my prayer was answered when I 
turned and saw that book, Eat to Live, so then, and my body started to heal, so then I feel like I have a vow that I've made with God. And for me to now, if I were to go back and abuse my body again, then I would be breaking that vow. Um, I would be breaking that vow to God that, you know, I'm going to do my part and take care of my body. And, you know, as I always say, I mean, anything can happen when people say, oh, well, you know, this, we can't take this healthy eating too far because, you know, everyone's going to die or whatever. And I say, well, that's, that's an excuse sometimes for us to continue with our bad habits. I said, well, of course, well, as soon as you're born, you're going to die at some point. And I said, but I didn't want to be the cause of my own demise. I didn't want, and said, so I could get it by a bus, God forbid, you know, any time. And I said, but I didn't want to be the cause of my own demise. For my kids to look back and say, oh, my goodness, you know, um, my mother, you know, we're young and, you know, we needed help. And my kids have special needs and, they, you know, they need me, you know, more for a lot of things. And I didn't want them to look back and say, you know, well, she died young because she didn't take care of herself. I mean, my father died at 61. He had heart disease, heart disease high blood pressure, diabetes. Um, and my children didn't get to know him. Um, and my second older brother died in his 40s, complications of diabetes. Um, he was in Haiti at the time, so that, you know, made health care uh, more difficult, but um, preventable diseases. So, yeah, I feel like um, I made a vow with God, and I, 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 couldn't, I can't go back on that um, I can't go back on that. And do you find that because of the way you you named your page and talk about your story, that you're 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 able to speak to other people with a spiritual bent? That they're they're now seeing their their own choices in a different way. I think so, and I would I would hope so because I do have people who you know will come on and and you know make comments and talk on my page or even message me. And, you know, feel like, okay, you know, I, they, they will say, you know, well, I'm a believer also, and I believe in God, you know, and, um, and, I, and I still feel stuck, but you've done this, pray for me, and, you know, and I'll say, you know, I will, you know, just and take things one step at a time and, you know, think about it this way as um, honoring your body, okay, because if our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, then you, we need to take care of that temple, we can't just say, well, I'm going to pray to God and then not do anything. No, you have to care for that temple. If the body is that temple, um, then you have to care for it. So I think just seeing that perspective, because a lot of times we'll just we'll say, oh, you know, this person is sick, you know, let's pray for them, which is good. But let's do a little bit more also in terms of doing our part to care for that temple. So I think, you know, for people who... You know, you know, have that belief in God, they see it that way. And maybe some who don't also, but who kind of think about, you know, well, we have a responsibility to care for, our, for ourselves also um, because it, it comes from within us to care for ourselves. Listen, I, you know, I have like a computer that I care for. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's, re it's replaceable. You know, it costs a couple thousand bucks, and if it breaks, I'll get a new one, but I still take care of it. Yeah, we have cars, uh, and a lot of people, you know, take care of our cars better than we take care of ourselves. When the light goes on and says, you know, it's time for the oil change or, you know, it's time for, you know, um, the, the, the tune-up, you know, when my light comes on, I'm 
Oh, I, I get to the dealer because I need this car for work. I'm traveling everywhere. You know, I'm I'm getting to the dealer. So, you know, if we can take care of our cars, you know, hopefully we take care of our homes and, you know, all our other environments and all our other stuff, then um, we should take care of, of our bodies as well. It's, it's, it's part of our responsibility. Beautiful. So I think owning that responsibility um, and it just, I, just getting to that mindset, something just shifted when it was like, okay, this is my responsibility too. God's given me, he's done his part. Um, I mean, we have a Haitian proverb that says that God says, do your part, I'll do mine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of think of it that way, you know, does his part, I'll do mine. It's beautiful. And uh, and and this is the year of no excuses. So we'll we, we can yeah, only, is, we can only imagine is, how far that goes, right? This this is the year of no excuses. You know, whatever happens, I said, you know, work on um, better health. I think trying to eliminate stresses. Um, you know, because that's been that's also you know part of the journey. Um, and I'll tell people, you know, pray if you need to do counseling. I've done counseling. You know, with a faith based uh, counselor. I said, whatever you need to do to um, help yourself to get where you need to get to, then then do that. Mm. I, have, I have one more question because when you were when you were talking about the the Christmas when you were you know eating all that stuff and from Whole Foods and feeling like a hypocrite, there was I was listening for you kind of to to go into some language around guilt and you know shame and making yourself feel bad and i feel like you got you got close to it but you didn't go over into it and a lot of people i know and a lot of students and clients of mine tend to get into oh you know i messed up i binged i ate something i shouldn't and they then beat themselves up and i'm wondering i'm first of all i'm wondering if you if you do or did that but but if if not or if it if it's mitigated if it's if part of that is being able to see yourself through God's eyes. So as, yeah. as someone, you know, like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I think you just, you just said it perfectly, um, Howard, seeing yourself through God's eyes. And it takes a while to get there. I think initially I would be kind of disappointed with myself. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like make myself feel, you know, that badly. But I would kind of be disappointed, like, you know, you can do better, Nalita. You know, I would be kind of disappointed. And then I kind of ignored it. But then really, you know, I started ad- adopting this mindset like, okay, this is what I'm going to do and I'm determined to do it. But for some reason, like, you know, if I had picked up, you know, the, the vegan sweet potato pie, you know, at, at Whole Foods or whatever, the vegan cake um, afterwards, I, I figured I have an opportunity at every single meal to make it right. So even, you know, people will say the next meal, even, okay, at that meal, okay, eat, eat more vegetables or get a piece of fruit. The next meal, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do well at that next meal. So it's not just because, you know, the old diet mentality would be like, oh, well, I messed up, so I may as well just binge for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a washout, and then the next day becomes the next day. It's like, okay, so if you have a flat tire, you're going to just go and pop all the other ones because you've got one? No, you you fix it, or you, you, if you're not handy like I am, you call AAA or whatever, roadside service, and, and you get it fixed. So I've kind of like, and reading a lot and, and praying a lot and just contemplating and reflecting a lot, I've kind of thought back on um, people who I see who are naturally um, slim. 
and just how they eat and how they let things go. Um, I have a sister-in-law who's very slim, and she's always been slim. And I watch her, you know, at different family gatherings, and she she always has a salad. Even if she's not she's not vegan or anything, but um, she's you know eats mostly a lot of vegetation. But you know, she always has a salad. Number one, she'll start to eat, but she'll mingle and talk more. If she has any dessert, whether it's a healthy one or whatever, full of sugar or whatever, she'll have maybe a little piece of this, a little bit of that. She'll have one. She'll just oh, it's so good, whatever. I mean, she can, she can. She's one of the few people who could do that and not binge and go crazy about eating those things. And then she leaves it alone. She is that there's not that obsession with food and wanting more. So I mean, I kind of watch those things, and I mean, I'll pray and just say. Um, God deliver me from the desire for more, because if I don't need more, I want to be delivered from the desire for more. What, what, what is it that I'm trying to hold on to or feel that I need, um, and that I feel like that I could get from food because I can't get it from food. Mm. It always and it always ends bad. It doesn't end good if you feel like you need to get some kind of comfort or something from from food. Food is is fuel. So I really have to reflect on that a lot to, you know, get that embedded in my brain because my brain, you know, it was the food addict's brain. So I've really had to work to change that mindset. Food is fuel. That's great. Well, Nalida Lassette Besson, I hope I still did that right. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been such an uplifting conversation for me and I hope for, for lots of other people who, who, have, who have, to, have yet to figure out their own dance around you know, struggle and temptation and, and faith and purpose. I think your, uh, your story is a, uh, is a salve for, for all of us. Thank you so much, Howard. Thank you for having me on. Um, and I hope, um, I hope that my story will resonate with someone on their journey um, and to get them where they need to go. I mean, we're all, we're all still on a journey. With, you know, the destination is a, it's not like a destination. It's a constant journey. So I really hope it resonates. And um, thank you for the work that, that you do um, because I know it, it, it has helped and will help a lot of people. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, it allows me to have conversations like this, which uh, repay, repays me a, a thousandfold. So uh, if, if folks want to find out more, they can go to uh, Facebook, Plant-Based God's Grace, and they can follow you. And do you have any recipes, like Haitian inspired? Like when you were talking about some of the, the dishes you were making, I was kind of <laughs> drooling a little bit. Do you have any recipes for that stuff? Um, I do have some recipes. Not they're not necessarily Haitian recipes, but I consider like all my bean stews and and um, just the way that I flavor them, especially using onions and scallions and um, sometimes leeks, gives it those flavors. And then if, if people add it with brown rice, I consider that to be like Haitian inspired because it's like the rice and beans, but a healthier version. Um, I have to at some point also put up um, the black rice recipe, so made with um, black dried mushrooms because it just gives a flavor um, to any rice that's really enough. And I've tried it without the salt, but, you know, people could use like liquid amino acids a little bit to give it, you know, a, a richer flavor, mm -hmm. um, spray a little bit on. So I have to add some of that, but I do have a lot of recipes that I'll post, um, just posted one actually yesterday, 
not necessarily Haitian inspired, but you know, with sweet potatoes and yams, which Haitians can eat a lot of, but just making it um, a little healthier, so like a, a warm sweet potato, because um, we're not too big into the cold sweet potatoes. Like my kids are like, we don't want this cold. I was like, okay, maybe it's a Haitian thing, you know? <laughs> it's just like sweet potato salad, but. <laughs> You're also in Boston, not Port au Prince. Exactly. You know, but it's just something about the taste of it. So, you know, warm one, you know, with um, with with hummus and this. I just posted that last night. So periodically I'll, I'll post it for things that people say, well, how do you make this? And just different ways to eat. I'm like, you can eat some of the same foods. You can eat a plant and you don't need to fry it. You know, you can roast it or bake it. So, Well, so we're about five weeks out for publication. So uh, that's how much time you have to get the, the mushroom Black black rice with mushrooms because I really want that one. So yeah, oh definitely. I'll, so I'll work on getting that one out. So I was like, you know, put more on there, get a book out. I'm like, we'll see what the future brings. But um, in the meantime, I'll, I'll be adding more. Definitely a hobby, especially for you. Um, awesome. I'll, I'll add the um, the black rice, not just made with black rice, but with the black dried mushrooms. Oh my goodness, the flavor is good. Awesome. I'm I'm, I'm pretty shameless and. <laughs> my request. So, uh, <laughs> I look forward to it. Alita, thank you again so much. It's been so great talking with you. Great talking to you. Too. If you Thanks enjoyed time. this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. For more information about the Big Change Program led by me and Josh Lajani, visit bigchangeprogram.com. And be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode with links to everything we talked about at plantyourself.com slash 201. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 200 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. And if you get the podcast, but not the Big Change Bulldog newsletter, you can sign up and get the Beat the Bully report at the same time at plantyourself.com slash bully. Big thanks to Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Dean Jen Folkenowski, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolmanova, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzak, Jeanette Benham. <gasps> For your generous support of the podcast, if you would like to make things even harder for me by adding your name to that list, you can become a patron at plantyourself.com. On the right sidebar, you can do a one-time or ongoing gift over at Patreon or via PayPal, and that really, really helps. Thanks also to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful songs to Bali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. If you'd like to support the show and you don't have loose change hanging around, you can also share this and other episodes on social media. You can write a review on iTunes. Here's a couple that just came in. One is from Mike122222. I hope I pronounced that right. From Canada. He says, awesome and informative channel, exclamation point, five stars. Very detailed interviews that deliver complicated information in a simple way, says Mike122222. This channel has motivated me to continue my journey as a whole food plant-based vegan. I recommend it strongly to all, regardless of your current dietary preferences. Woohoo! Thank you, Mike from Canada. And also, Bonnie WH writes, I love this podcast. Thank you to Howard for helping to spread the word on this vital subject. I appreciate all the information and motivation provided by his interviews. Bonnie WH, you are so welcome. 
Speaking of podcasts, I started a new one uh, last week with my friend Gene Stone. Gene was on the podcast a little while ago. He has, uh, He's like me, except more prolific. Uh, he has helped a bunch of people in the plant-based community write books, including Rip Esselstyn, um, et cetera, et cetera. He's also written like 35 or 40 books on his own. And he wrote a book recently called The Trump Survival Guide, Everything You Need to Know About Living Through What You Hoped Would Never Happen. I chatted with him about that. And he said, yeah, well, you know, he uh, was very much opposed to uh, the Trump regime and what's going on. And he thought, like, what can I do? And he thought, well, I'm a writer. Oh, I, I know how to write. So he wrote a book. And I thought, well, I'm a podcaster. I know how to podcast. So he and I have teamed up for the Trump Survival Guide podcast. And you can find it at thetrumpsurvivalguide.com. Uh, Gene's website. You can also just go to your favorite podcast player and just tump, type, tump in, Trump in, type, huh, type in. I told you I'm a podcaster. Type in Trump Survival Guide and it should come right up. We've got three episodes out so far. The first two is me and Gene talking, and the third one is the way it's going to be mostly from now on us interviewing an activist, an expert, someone. Our, our goals are to inspire, connect, and empower people. Who, uh, who want to make sure that uh, our country moves in the right direction and uh, our planet is, uh, is held as a, a sacred trust for future generations. All right, enough of that. Now in garden news, we have a frost. Went down to like 23 degrees last night. All our daffodils are drooped. The kale is barely hanging on. So we're hoping this is the last little bit. And then we can get back up to, uh, to spring planting shortly after that. In running news, very, very exciting. I have a marathon next Sunday. And on Friday, I tweaked my back out, or Saturday morning, actually. I tweaked it out so badly that I was just sort of uh, clutching things as I tried to stagger around the house. I had a, uh, an hour-long video session with Tom Delonzo Baker of Total Motion Release Physical Therapy, which helped me a great deal. And I'm doing those exercises. And I'm really hoping that I'm back on track and able to run that marathon at a decent time next Sunday. So fingers crossed. That's it for this week. So as always, be well, my friends. <laughs>